Education today can be difficult and draining and amazing and fulfilling and so many things all wrapped into one. The dynamics of what we do can leave us needing every ounce of inspiration and motivation we can get. I've been a principal and educator for over 25 years, and I find my motivation and inspiration in many different places. As a principal, I often find it's my job to inspire and motivate and energize the team around me. I have to be the principal inspiration of my school, but what things inspire me as a principal? Welcome to Principal Inspiration, a podcast for educators. I'm your host, Rick Hunt, and these are my thoughts about the people and the stories, anecdotes, observations, and conversations that are my principal inspiration on any given day. My sincere hope in sharing is that you might be inspired as well. I hope this podcast leaves you feeling energized, challenged, and ready to go be awesome. Our students deserve nothing less. So there I am. 13-ish years old, 1984, with some friends sitting down to watch what would become one of the Hallmark movies of the 80s. One that if you think back to the 80s, if you don't think about this movie in a fond light, well, shame on you. You're not a child of the 80s. I'm talking about the Karate Kid. That's right, Daniel LaRusso and his crane technique as he goes to defeat the evil Cobra Kai King. Uh, Yeah, it's an awesome movie. A lot of fun, Mr. Miyagi and all his antics and teaching Daniel LaRusso through, you know, wax on, wax off, send a floor, send a floor, paint a fence, paint a fence, and it turns into his karate technique. Love that movie. I've seen it many times. I've seen it, you know, it comes on every once in a while. You're flipping through the channels and there it is. And you just kick back and enjoy a little nostalgia of the 80s and, and the karate kid. Now, why has that come up today? Well, just recently I found this really awesome show on Netflix. It's into its second season, I think it is, and and it's called Cobra Kai. Now, Cobra Kai is a a modern-day adaptation of Karate Kid. It takes all of those characters that were about our age in the 80s, and now they are adults, living adult lives and doing adult things. Daniel LaRusso is the, apparently... Kicking somebody in the face using the crane technique gives you a lot of street cred in in the valley. And Daniel is now the king of the valley as far as car sales go. He owns a car dealership. Daniel is now the man. He sells, he's got the high dollar cars. He's got a beautiful house, beautiful family. Daniel has made it big. Apparently getting kicked in the face by the crane technique throws your life off track. And Johnny... Johnny is now in a situation where things aren't looking like they should for him. Uh, he's really down on his luck. Life isn't where it needs to be. He's divorced. He's, he's estranged from his child. He's drunk. He's lost his job. Things are. I don't want to give too many spoilers. But the show is fun. It gives flashbacks to the old movie. It readdresses the characters in a different way. We'll get a little bit to that in a minute. Before we talk about Colbert High, let's talk about The Karate Kid. Flashback to the 80s. This is a movie that is not much more than a Western. Believe me, I know Westerns. I used to sit around with my my grandpa, uh, Grandpa George, and we would watch Westerns every once in a while. Right now, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. It makes me smile. Here's George sitting in his easy chair. He's got a big bowl of popcorn in his lap and an apple because for whatever reason, when he ate popcorn, he had to have an apple. And we would be watching the, a John Wayne film on, on a Saturday afternoon. And it was fun. 
um, really hadn't ever taken an interest in westerns, but because my papa liked westerns, by golly, I wanted to watch them with him. And he knew everything. He, he loved John Wayne. He knew every movie. He could tell you about them. Um, it was good. Now think about the old westerns, right? What was it about old westerns? Well, it was very clear what was happening. There was a bad guy. There was a good guy. There was a guy wearing a light hat. There was a guy wearing a dark hat. The light hatted guy was always the good guy. The dark hatted hat was always the bad guy. And you knew how this movie was going to go. The bad guy was bad in every way. He was bad to the core. There was not anything good about him. And the good guy was good. He was always, he had just good things. He did good things. He tried to make sure everything was right. There was no mixing it up. Westerns were easy. Karate Kid was the same way. Karate Kid was easy. Karate Kid took the viewpoint that, you know, there was a bad guy, Cobra Kai guy, Johnny. And Johnny, he was bad to the core. He was a horrible human. He pushed his girlfriend down. He was mean and nasty. He beat Ralph up. He, he was just terrible. And John Kreese, his, his mentor, was even worse. He was a horrible human being, angry. Uh, the motto at Cobra Kai is no mercy, right? Well, Ralph was, the, in fact, they wore black outfits. Ralph had uh, the, the white, uh, had a character in the story, um, Daniel LaRusso. Ralph Macchio was the, the actor. Daniel LaRusso in the story, he, uh, he, was, he was the good guy. And, and Daniel, well, he may have made some mistakes along the way, was, was the guy who you wanted to root for. It was easy. There was no mixing it up. There was a bad guy and a good guy. And you rooted for the good guy. And Mr. Miyagi was a great guy. And he taught Daniel what he needed to know to go defeat the evil. To go defeat the bad guy. Just like the old westerns. The bad guy always got taken out in the end. And the good guy rode off into the sunset. Daniel did the same at the end of the show. So, what happens now in Cobra Kai? This new TV series. Well... Actually, what happens is what hooked Ralph Macchio to come back and play Daniel LaRusso in the show. I watched a, read a recent article about this, and and and, Dan, and Ralph Macchio talks about the idea that they changed this, they flipped the script in Cobra Kai. They take away this idea of black and white, good versus evil, and they change it to where you've got well a, a whole lot of gray. See, the characters in the story, well, Daniel has now made it big, and he's this big-time car salesman, and, and Johnny, well, Johnny's having a rough time. Well, they start to show flashbacks of before the Karate Kid. Now, I don't want to give too many spoilers. Again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but Johnny was bullied and bullied by his dad. And that's partly why he found his way to Cobra Kai and why John Kreese became well, a, a father figure to him. His dad wasn't a dad, and... and Crease filled that spot and took took Johnny down the wrong path. And Daniel, well, Daniel, as he grew up and he became an adult, well, if you if you kind of get some of the nuances here, not everything's perfect in this little perfect world. Not all the time. And in fact, Daniel, as he's he's kind of somehow they bump into each other, they get and the competition starts back up. The rivalry's still there. And you've got good kind of versus evil, but you recognize maybe the evil guy isn't as evil and he's just had a lot of different things happen in his life that make him react or do the things he does. And Daniel, well, with all his good intentions, actually hurts some people he didn't intend to hurt. And things get gray. They aren't quite what they, they, they seem. They aren't quite what they 
you want them to be if you're a Western fan. They're not the good versus evil, dark versus light. Hmm. But what they are is this massive shade of gray. And I think it's important for for all of us to understand. Right now, I'm watching, like everybody else, as we approach an election uh, coming up here, uh, a lot of frustrating fights, right? Like people who have entrenched themselves in one camp. And you're either in this camp or you're over here in this camp. I recently had a conversation with a really good friend, uh, Ben Tapper, and we talked about this whole kind of idea in a way of around gray and learning and changing and not living in a tribe or a camp where you just, this is who I am and I can't change because everybody around me thinks the same and is the same. I I really think as educators, we have to do a better job of helping our students understand discussion, debate. Look, I'm not saying that you aren't going to have ideas. Like I was blessed. I grew up in a middle-class uh, environment in an in an area where I got to be a, you know I lived it with a lot of different diverse groups now maybe not necessarily uh, growing up racially diverse uh, but diverse as far as the kids that I got to hang out with and I had a lot of different friends I mean I hung out with all different groups I didn't have a specific I was a, I was a jock probably some would say I was a football player but I also hung out with what you might call the nerds, smart kids. I hung out with some of the hoods, the kids who you know, wore the leather jackets and acted a little different in that way. I had friends in a lot of different groups. I had some classes that really helped me understand, and I connected with that. And so my, my worldview, starting as I grew up, kind of lended to this idea that maybe there isn't always one way things should be and really in each of these different groups and each and again cliques or tribes or whatever you want to call them in, in school you know if, if I get too much of my camp sometimes I start to look at that other camp and think uh, they're completely wrong they're not acceptable they're not okay what they're thinking what they're doing is not not all right at all now as educators, I really believe, I firmly believe, we have got to create situations where we begin to help students understand. Because otherwise we end up where we're at now, which is this divisive, I can't ever have a difference of opinion. I mean, I feel bad. I've got some friends who I follow on, on Facebook. Love you. If, if this is one of you and I'm talking about you, I'm not trying to be mean. Um, but I, I feel sometimes they are so entrenched in in their tribe or their camp or their group, whatever that might be. And they look around and I'm talking, I'm not just talking conservative or, or, or liberal Democrat versus Republican here. Yes. Election is coming up and that kind of is where this, this came from this whole idea of gray versus black and white. But what, what, what I worry about is they don't take the time to understand that what is going on around them has a lot of gray in it. Their ideas, well, they might be firmly rooted. Look, I, I often can look at both sides of an argument. Another thing I feel real, very blessed with, I was able as a kid to have discussion and, and, and my mom would let me hash it out. And it was always, you know, it, there, there really wasn't an opportunity where I couldn't voice my opinion and have conversation. We still have political discussions. It drives my wife nuts. Uh, we sit around and talk about things all the time and we kind of get wrapped up in these these conversations and I come away enriched each and every time. 
Now, that doesn't mean changed every time. And that's what I think we have to be very clear with, with our students as we talk about this. As you start to have discussions, Socratic seminars, or whatever it is that you're going to do in your classrooms and in your schools to elicit this opportunity for people to clash and go and, and, and argue and debate in a constructive way, ideas. I might believe one thing and you might believe another. And, and those two opinions are okay in the idea that I can have mine and you can have yours. And we can actually talk about those and I can defend my position and my point of view. And there's a couple of things that could come from that. One, I might listen to your point of view and I might understand for just a moment what has driven you to believe the way you do. I might start to understand that while you're in the other camp or on the other side, things aren't necessarily as wrong as I might think they are if I just stand in my camp and say, I'm not going to listen to you at all. I worry about us as a society of how divided we've become where we can't just take a moment and understand something that really maybe offends us at first and take a minute to try to gather some more data and information and listen to the other side of an argument. Now, I might not come out changed. I, I listen to the other side of the argument. I might be swayed. I might understand things differently. I might change or soften my perspective in a way that allows me to connect a little more to that idea. Or I might actually solidify my position. Hearing the data and information the other side is giving and understanding that, you know what? I really don't agree with you. And now listening to what you've said, it kind of solidifies my position more. But at least you took the time to listen. At least you took the time to understand. At least you took the time to understand there's a whole lot more gray out there than there is good versus evil and right versus wrong. And as educators, we have got to do a good job at that. Because if we don't, I think we create a situation where things can't get done. If I am so locked up in my beliefs and my camp and my tribe and my group, and, and, and I, it is hard then to work with those around me to move anything forward. And that's where we, I see us as a country quite a bit right now. And it, there are still people who are doing a good job of reaching out and understanding and trying to work together. But more and more, we seem to be divided and unable. I'll give you an example. As educators, you may have heard this term, school to prison pipeline. The first time I heard that, I was offended. How dare you insinuate that what we do in schools is just taking kids straight to prison? I was an urban teacher. I was an urban principal for some time. And this was the, the idea came to me in a conference. And I sat and listened to it. And I thought, how dare you? Now, over time, I've spent some time understanding that belief a little more. And I will tell you, I don't like the term school to jail pipeline, but what I have learned is that in some situations, in some what construct, in some areas, that is very true. The way we discipline certain students who come from a certain background, the way that they are taken through school and not given the opportunity for restitution to be restored in the school to learn how to navigate they're just suspended, they're just put out, they're just set aside. And that student, because there's no opportunity in school where they should be able to learn from mistakes and grow 
and get better from mistakes they might made. Because they made a mistake, they're cut off. They're not able to be restored to the community. Just like prison, they're set aside. That's unfortunate. If we keep suspending kids and kicking them out, we don't do anything to support the kids. I'm not saying that suspension is an option on occasion. If somebody's done something that really hurt others, there may be a need for a time of separation as you begin to build a plan for how you restore that student and teach them not to do that bad thing again. Too often, we just cut people off, right? Now you did it, you're done. Three strikes, you're out, you can't come back. Whatever it is, that system in school leads to prison. It's truth. It's fact. It, you can, you, if you get into it and you're willing to listen for a little bit, you understand that for certain students in certain situations in certain schools, that is what's happened. That af- initial offense, initial gag reflex that I had as an educator, how dare you besmirch my work. Once I started to understand this different idea, and started to understand the other side, actually moved into a gray. And I began to understand what drove those convictions, what drove that message of school-to-prison pipeline. And as a principal, that's kind of framed my mindset and my, my thinking around how I like to operate in my school. You learn. Sometimes you can learn from the other side. Sometimes your convictions can be held true. Sometimes you can be more firmly planted in what you believe by listening to someone who's trying to tell you to do something a little bit different. Sometimes you just learn a whole lot and you learn that the characters and the people that are around you aren't the same. You know, in, in the karate kid, the Cobra Kai show, you start to wonder if you shouldn't like Johnny and you start to believe, you know what you change allegiances almost in a show. Maybe you flip allegiances four different times. You know, at the beginning of the show, you like Johnny and then suddenly you're angry with him and you, you approve of what Daniel's doing and you sway back and forth. You ever find that, uh, you know, as you, as you start to explore who the characters are around you, you learn a little bit more, you learn a little bit more about their lives and you start to recognize that maybe the things that I believed about this or that aren't, 100% firm, or maybe they are. Maybe I should be a little more firm in how I approach these people uh, about their belief structures to try to support them understanding mine. I don't know. It, it, I guess what it comes down to is when I sat with my papaw and I watched the ending of the two guys step out on the dirt road, and there at the end of one was the guy in the dark hat with his gun and his scowl and his cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And then on the other end is the good guy in the light outfit standing up tall. And when the gunfight happens, the good guy wins. In Karate Kid, the crane technique brings out the win. And you move on and you're happy because it was very easy. Life isn't like that. Life is messy. Life is gray. And helping our kids understand, helping our kids find ways to build constructive debate, find topics that you get your kids talking about and and working on together and giving them a side to defend and helping them do that back and forth. And then they also learn the soft skill of listening. They learn the soft skill of speaking. They learn the soft skill of supporting ideas. Those things that we want our students to have as they grow up to be good quality citizens who are willing to work together and make our nation, our communities, our neighborhoods, our schools better. 
You can't work if you're clashing all the time. You can't work if you're locked up in your ideas. Again, I believe there are some things. I have my own convictions. I have my own strong beliefs. I have my own faith. I have things that I feel are a certain part of my worldview that I'm, I'm kind of locked into, to be honest. But I'm also willing to listen. I'm also willing to occasionally be swayed. I'm willing to be wrong. I think that's, boy, that's a tough thing, isn't it? Are you willing to be wrong? Are you willing to investigate something that, that maybe caused your gag reflex to, uh, to go at first? Are you willing to listen and maybe think, hey, I could be wrong in this area. Maybe I need to change my perspective. Maybe I need to flip the script. Maybe I need to be willing to understand that maybe that evil character isn't as evil as he seemed to be. Folks, if there is anything else that we do in schools, especially around this time of elections and supporting our students and understanding what's happening in the news and what's happening in the world around them, I hope it's that we point to it and say, you know what? It isn't all about one tribe versus the other. It isn't all about one camp, Republicans and Democrats. It isn't all about conservatives and liberals. It's, it's about people. It's about getting along. It's about common decency. It's about being humans. It's about working together. doesn't mean you have to draw back on your convictions. It doesn't mean you have to draw back on your faith. It doesn't mean you have to draw back on your beliefs. But you can at least recognize the human on the other side of that argument has a position and a place coming from the worldview or perspective or background or whatever it is that brought them to that conviction and that faith and that belief that they have. At the end of the day, you may disagree still, but you can at least have a common and courteous conversation in supporting each other's understanding. And I believe that's what our job is as educators, to help our students beyond books and, and learning the, the important things that we do in that regard, is helping our students understand how to work together, how to be better team players, how to be more open to the idea and discussions and arguments that might be out there, how to have a debate, how to be courteous, and more than anything else, how to respect each other as humans. How to be okay with being wrong on occasion and how to actually build up and understand why I have my own personal convictions or beliefs and what actually might be underneath those personal convictions or beliefs. Look, if we don't teach our students to evolve, if we don't teach our students to be lifelong learners, if we don't teach our students to understand and to grow and to seek knowledge every day in all the topics and all the areas, if all we do is teach them to stand in a camp, to stand in a single tribe, and to scoff at everything else around them, we are doing a disservice. Right now, in this time, when we, as we approach this election, I think we have a clear opportunity to help our students understand that, well, just like Cobra Kai, they didn't like the Karate Kid. Life isn't like that all the time. There isn't always a clear evil and a clear good. There isn't always a clear bad character, the bad guy. There isn't always the clear good guy. There quite often is a lot of shades of gray. Helping our students understand how to navigate a world that's a little more gray and helping them understand how to come out better for that, well, that's what we're here for. As Mr. Miyagi might say, 
It's about balance. It's about understanding when to be right and when you can be wrong. It's about understanding how to make, well, the world a better place. I think Mr. Miyagi did that. Tried to do it anyway. Heck, Mr. Miyagi was even kind to John Kreese in the end. He could have popped him in the nose, but showed him some mercy. Folks, we've got to do the same. We've got to help our students understand that concept. No mercy isn't a way to be. My camper, my way, or whatever it is, or the highway, that doesn't work. You've got to be willing to understand each other as humans, because when we do that, we make the world more awesome. Isn't that our job? Go be awesome. Our kids don't deserve anything less.